Psycho. Hi, and welcome to Adaptations. Today we'll be talking about a cult classic, Frankenhooker, from 1990, directed by Frank Henenlotter. Which you could probably guess is a adaptation of Mary Shelley's 1818 Frankenstein. Yes, so very loose adaptation. The DVD case calls this, quote, a terrifying tale of sluts and bolts and has been endorsed by none other than Bill Murray, who says, if you only see one movie this year, it should be Frankenhooker, unquote. So, we'll give a little bit of background on Frankenstein. I know we've already done a version of Frankenstein on our YouTube channel. So, as Stephanie said, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, or the Modern Prometheus, was published in 1818. It was actually published anonymously at first, because, you know, who would want to read anything by a woman? God forbid. Um... Published anonymously, and many people actually speculated that it would have been written by Percy Shelley, her husband, or at that time was only her lover. They had eloped, and he was already married to another woman. Very scandalous. Or by Mary Shelley's father, William Godwin. Yes, because back in that time, Bic had not created Bic pens for her. So women were not able to produce writing. So it's. I mean, how can our tiny, frail bodies write if we don't have pink colored pens? Yeah, our hands just can't, we can't handle it. (laughs) Anyways, so it was written during a ghost story writing competition. So, fun fact Mary Shelley, or then Mary Godwin, went on a trip with Percy, her lover, her um, half-sister, Clara Claremont, as well as Claire's then-lover, Lord Byron, who was really not happy about this lover situation because he just found Claire a little bit annoying and too clingy, Um, as well as Lord Byron's doctor, John Polidori, who fancied himself somewhat of a novelist and sort of wanted to get in with the cool crowd. And so all... Well, I don't think Claire was in on it, but John, Mary, Percy, and Lord Byron all decided to do a ghost story competition, and the only published novels we have out of this competition are John Polidori's The Vampire, which was misattributed to Lord Byron at first, and Lord Byron was like, what is this trash? I didn't write this, but gave birth to the modern vampire novel, so it was important. And then, of course, Frankenstein. I'm sure um, you know a little bit about Frankenstein's story, but most of what we know actually comes from the 1931 film, in pop culture at least. Um, The novel is a little bit different. The creature does speak. The creature is very intelligent, but is mistreated by everyone, and then just decides to go on a murderous rampage. So, you know. I mean, it's become a real classic. But I would say that the film, which we're going to talk about a little bit of the details now, draws more from the 1931 film, which is really the place where we get the visuals from, obviously, but especially how the science, quote unquote, works. And so Frankenhooker was was produced in 1990, and it's loosely inspired by Mary Shelley's novel. And um, I mean, one of the highlights, I think, is that it stars penthouse pet Patty Mullen. So our actual Frankenhooker is a playmate of some kind who is post-nude. It stars a guy who kind of looks like Aaron Paul and Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. <laughs> hey, that's rude to Billy Joe Armstrong. Um, James Lawrence. I mean, obviously, you know all of these people, so I don't even have to name drop them. I guess one like standout is that Robert Bob Martin, who wrote this, was an editor of Fangoria. And the film itself draws so much on exploitation and slasher films and really cheesy B-movies. Um, and it takes place in New Jersey. 
So. Yep, you get to enjoy a lot of New Jersey accents. I don't know if they're accurate or not. Probably not. No. But, you know, they <laughs> really went for it. New Jersey, America's second Florida. <laughs> so should we dive into plot summary? Yeah, so, I mean, the first three quarters of the film is sort of just about the main character. Yeah, James um, Lawrence really, really must have wanted some screen time. Yeah, so our main character's name is Jeffrey Franken. <laughs> And he's engaged to Elizabeth Shelley. Yes. So obviously the writers read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein because they're name dropping. So. Or, at, you know, at least wanted to make it seem like they did. And it starts off with Jeffrey in the kitchen talking to a brain that he wants to revivify. And nobody knows where the brain came from. It's just kind of like in a fish tank. And there's an eye in the wrong lobe. Yeah. Anyways, so we find out that we're sort of in a garden party situation, or I think it's a birthday party for the father-in-law-to-be. Yeah. The mother goes outside, and we meet Elizabeth, the fiancé, and there's a lot of fat shaming. So much fat shaming. Uh, The Wikipedia page would like you to know that penthouse pet Patty Mullins, who uh, (laughs) who plays Elizabeth Shelley, wore a fat suit for this particular scene. She's like literally a size two and just has kind of more like a a fuller... Did you say Kim Kardashian padding? Yeah, it's like Kim Kardashian padding. That's basically (laughs) what she has on, but that's considered fat because she likes pretzels. Right, yes. So her mom tells her to stop eating pretzels. And then after the mom exits, Elizabeth says to her friend, well, you know, Jeffrey's too strange and I'm too fat. So I guess that makes them a good couple. Cut to the birthday party and Elizabeth unveils the present for her dad, which is a lawnmower of sorts. Fargo style wood chopper. And it's remote controlled. And I mean, you know, the foreshadowing is really not subtle at all. She's standing in front of the machine. There's ominous music. And Jeffrey keeps telling her, don't stand in front of it. And then cut to her trying to show how to use the remote control, which, by the way, Jeffrey built. The lawnmower thingamajig goes wild and cuts Elizabeth to pieces. We get some sweet Hershey's syrup style blood. We were betting on, is it going to be super visceral? Or is it going to be like Tarantino viscous B-movie style blood? Yeah, and you were, Stephanie was right. I thought it was going to like show, you know, lacerations in the ankles and like super gory, but I forgot about the low budget. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's tons of setup for it to be more like a Suspiria type of Mm -hmm. really, really like badly bloody and yet it doesn't happen like the most we get is like a drill to the brain and we don't even get any kind of like brain matter so yeah (laughs) it's not gory at all so anyways elizabeth is dead we have jeffrey moping over her and he ends up deciding to try to bring her back to life so he's drawing this diagram which is so drawn out no pun intended (laughs) i mean that scene is just it takes way too long i would say the first hour of this movie is just way too long it could have been cut to half an hour yeah the final like 20 to 30 minutes are the only part of this movie that you need to watch yes and we will get to that as soon as we can because that is why you got to watch this film if you're going to watch this film at all but yeah so he is planning how he's going to build her and he decides that he has to go to new york city to go get some prostitutes yeah so apparently florida 2.0 New Jersey does not have a wide supply of prostitutes. Oddly enough, there's an array of diversity 
in this particular film. Yes, I, I would say that the prostitutes represent more diversity than I've seen in most 1990 films. Like 2003's Wuthering Heights by MTV. It's like a snow, snow blackout. <laughs> In California, which makes it a little bit strange. But yeah, oddly some good diversity in the hookers that he chooses. Oh, there's like a Jeffrey Dahmer uh, like throwback. Like he's in full, like these weird Sally Jesse Raphael glasses and this like creepy blazer. It's it's definitely, there's got to be like some throwback to that serial killer kind of thing. Yeah. Anyways, the hookers are owned, I guess, or pimped out by this guy named Zorro, who... I, uh, sorry, I cannot buy that he is straight. No, he kind of looks like Freddie Mercury without any of the charisma. Or There's a lot of people that kind of look like other people in this film without yes. the charisma. Oh, and we will get to this. Yeah. And his because his name is Zorro, he slashes the Z on the arms of his sex workers. And so it's very. this is a culturally rich text that we are <laughs> interpreting here. Yep. So Zorro also sells crack. Super crack. No, no, he... I think he sells normal. He just sells crack. normal crack. Okay. <laughs> and, and then, then it's super crack. It's Jeffrey. There is super crack involved. Jeffrey decides he's going to kill his intended perfect woman by using super crack. Ah. And we'll talk about the ethics of this later. Crack is whack. Jeffrey gets some kind of special rate from Zorro. He's hanging out with all these girls in this gross hotel room. And the girls are getting measured and it's very soft core porn yeah and he cannot decide you know with all those women there there isn't a single one that passes his judgment so he's trying to decide but they find his super crack and they all take it and then they blow up Yes, uh, I imagine most of the budget went to these really cheesy uh, paper mache mannequins that got yeah, blown so up. Yeah, so when I say blow up, like I literally mean they blow up. Yeah. Yeah, like scanner style, but without the like artistry of a head blowing up. It's just literally like these weird paper mache mannequins. And then they went to some like off highway New Jersey big fireworks store and just got some like cherry bombs and stuff and stuck them in these like paper mannequins. And then like some guy named Frank lit them off in the background. So Jeffrey decides to gather all these parts. It seems that he's very sincere that this was not his initial plan. Yeah. and But he, he says he's going to gather all the parts, and then once he builds Elizabeth's body, he's going to try to bring back all the prostitutes, which seems, seems genuine. Yeah. I mean, he was kicked out of medical school three times, and his ma thinks he would become a real good doctor, so... You know, he's he's just trying to give back to the public. That's it. Yeah. This is, I mean, medical students, here's your medical ethics right there. He brings all the body parts back. They're, like, hanging out of his half-open trunk. He brings them back to his house. He stores them in this, like, weird in vitro refrigerator. It's, like, pink water where mm-hmm. he's been keeping Elizabeth, her um, head, and other various body parts. I think there's, like, a foot and an ear or something in yeah, there. Yeah, and a hand. Yeah. And, and this is where the definite adaptation part comes in because all the little you know scientific mechanisms and technologies they all look like they're straight out of 1931 Frankenstein except now in color (laughs) so he brings Elizabeth back to life but something has gone wrong and she still has the mannerisms of a prostitute and he's horrified (laughs) (laughs) and she just 
walks out and does she she hits him right yeah yeah, she's also got, like, this really stellar outfit now. Yeah, these hookers have fantastic style. Yeah. Especially Elizabeth, who's got these cool, like, platform shoes with black ribbons on them. I, If anyone knows where to get these shoes, please let me know because I want them. And just, again, to show how culturally rich this text is, when Jeffrey is looking for his Frankenhooker, his Elizabeth, there's a guy outside that's like reading Revelations. And so for all of you that don't have Revelation 17 memorized, it's like a direct reference to Elizabeth. Jeffrey calls her the purple woman and the woman is in purple, the whore of Babylon. And she's on fire and everybody's going to eat her body and there's bad shit goes down. In this, See, I wouldn't so. have known that because I, I was a heathen. We're all heathens. We're all terrible <laughs> heathens. So again, culturally, what we have Zorro, Mary Shelley, the Bible... But anyways, yeah, she escapes. She goes back to the only place she knows, which is the whorehouse. Oh, oh, she finds the Danny DeVito lookalike. <laughs> so this is what we were talking about earlier, about lookalikes with no charisma. It's like if you went to like a 99 cent store and got an off-brand Danny DeVito. That is what you'd have. You'd have, this is off-brand Danny DeVito, like Danny Navito. <laughs> So she, she meets him, and she goes and starts to pleasure him mm-hmm. and uh, kills him with her vagina. Yeah. So we talked in our Blade Runner YouTube video about how one of the replicants almost kills Deckard with her vagina. Yes, and actually Elizabeth looks a little bit like Pris yeah. from Blade Runner. Yeah, so she succeeds in killing Mr. Danny Novito with her vagina. He blows up in a similar style to the the hookers blowing up from the super crack, but now Elizabeth is killing men unwittingly, or perhaps wittingly, mm. with electricity. Mm. So, you know taking the master's tools yeah and then she walks into the bar where zoro hangs out she blows up another man (laughs) who is trying to get in her pants uh, or her skirt rather and then proceeds to blow up a lot of other shit it's like full-on carrie in this point like she just is going all out at it yes and at this point we're like whoa this is strangely feminist um (laughs) male tears and jeffrey has been riding around in his jeffrey dahmer outfit and looking for his poor elizabeth he finds her he takes her back to his lab zora has followed them though and finally jeffrey gives back elizabeth her own brain and she's kind of horrified that her body is different and Jeffrey is talking about how he kept all his notes, but he only has a serum for a woman. Of course, at this point when he's talking about this, guess who comes in? Zorro comes in and beheads Jeffrey. And then that's when the shit happens. (laughs) Yes. There's the weird uterus deep freezer with Jeffrey's amniotic fluid with all of the sex the workers. Parts. Yeah, body parts are in there and they start to come alive and then we get the body horror, body dark humor. Oh yeah. Where there's just this creation from all of the body parts. So there's like this mound of breast tissue and there's a real vagina. The vagina dentata is like so it's like an upside down women's torso and the mouth and the teeth are on the mons pubis. It's a pretty unique sight. And they end up attacking Zorro because they still have a craving for drugs. And also he's just a terrible person. Mm-hmm. And they drag him back into the fridge with the amniotic fluid and essentially murder him. But, you know, Jeffrey's still kind of dead. 
Elizabeth explains that because Jeffrey only had the technology or fluid or whatever to create, it was like estrogen fluid Est- or yeah, something. Yeah, estrogen based <laughs> science. She says she she has an idea. Cut to Jeffrey Franken finding that he now has the body of a woman. Pretty great considering Jeffrey's been working for however long to create bodies. Elizabeth just picks it up mm-hmm. and is able to create an entire body within like minutes. Yep. I mean, because he messed up the first time, right? Like he couldn't get the brain to work with Elizabeth's head and she manages to keep Jeffrey pretty intact if not for the the body. Yeah. So we're now we're going to launch into sort of our thoughts. It's so weird that the last 30 minutes of this film are oddly feminist. So the fat shaming that we talked about earlier, yeah. Elizabeth really likes pretzels. Mm-hmm. And so she gets fat shamed at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then toward the end, she's in the bar and there's just this big jar of pretzels. Yeah. And she just shoves her hand in there and starts eating them. And the barkeep kind of shames her and she just growls. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to eat my pretzels now. And then she is really pissed off that her fiancé has decided, well, I don't care what she thinks about her body. I'm just going to build a new one to my own specifications. My Elizabeth's going to have big boobs. And she wakes up and she's like, what the what the hell? Like, these are not my breasts. This is not my body. And so she gets back at him by doing the same thing to him. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's a really good critique of the way that men conceive of women and Mm -hmm. what women's bodies should function as. So he's conceiving her as a sex object for himself. Mm -hmm. But when she goes out and does what... He did. Yeah, it's it's completely unacceptable. And mind you, we're not like advocating that you go chop off a man's head and then steal a bunch of hookers' body parts and then use estrogen fluid to bring that body with the man's head back to life. But, you know, if you did, we might talk about it on the show. Yeah, send us pictures, uh, just like your fan fiction. You know what? Turn it into fan fiction. We'll take that. Yeah, make us some fan art. Mm -hmm. Uh, That could be pretty cool. Yeah. Speaking of cutting off people's heads, so oddly enough, this entire movie is really great to talk about things like ethics Mm -hmm. and the idea of Sergio Canavero's head transplants that are being proposed right now. So, like, there's this question about head transplants. Elizabeth maintains her brain. Like, she doesn't have a different brain. She still has her head and brain, and yet she has all the body parts of the sex workers. And so she's still being manipulated by the body parts. So she actually is saying things that the sex worker said. She's performing action. She's being compelled by the sex workers. So there's this question, and this is a great film to talk about it, is what is being transplanted, the head or the body? So different Um, cultures, American culture, we like to think that the person is in the head, in the brain. Um, But there are other cultures that believe it's, it's in the stomach, it's in the body. And so here we're seeing that the person can actually be both the body and the brain. Interesting. And you know what? This actually relates into my research. There's this German film called Transfer where they had input white person's brains into black bodies and the sort of way that these black bodies that had been taken over got back at these rich white colonizers was to enact bodily revolt against it. And then we can look at Black Mirror. Like some of those episodes really deal with this issue. So Somehow this film, which is a cult classic as being bad but great, it has a lot to do with current issues about ethics and science. 
Yeah, there's even the question of killing and moral responsibility. Mm, yeah. So, like, Jeffrey, this is the weird drill lobotomizing scene where he thinks that he can just lobotomize a part of his brain or at least turn it off by drilling directly into mm-hmm. the gyri of the brain. And he questions, well, I'm not giving them the drugs forcibly. I'm just giving them these toxic super drugs. Um, Am I really killing them? Right. And he's not giving the drugs to them. Rather, he's going to leave it out where they are. So it's their fault if they take the super drugs, which is a very murky argument. Yeah. Like, what's the moral responsibility there? Like, teach this in all of the medical ethics classes. (laughs) Yeah, science and morality. And, And there's a great line from earlier where Jeffrey is talking to his mom and he says, I'm antisocial and I'm becoming dangerously amoral. One other element of this that seems weirdly salient in today's culture is the fact that they have a serious conversation about drug addiction and the way that drug addiction is used to keep women in the cycle of violence and sex work. Yeah, and also they have, frankly, surprisingly good conversation about prostitution. So there is a woman on the television who is advocating for the legalization of prostitution and her group uh, is called hold on to our knowledge of equal rights which as an acronym is hooker and and she's arguing that if we legalize prostitution we can then provide rights for these women these sex workers and i'm like these are conversations we're still having in 2018 yeah and it's interesting, she's an African-American woman, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, going for, like, maybe some diversity. And it's an old white guy that's kind of yelling against her. And it clearly seems that we're, as an audience, supposed to agree with the woman who owns H-O-O-K-E-R. <laughs> what about, I feel like this is important to include, the devil music? Oh, no, not the devil's music! So this is, again, I I probably said this too many times already, but it's a cult classic. It's, I don't know, it was not as fun Mm -hmm. as I thought it was going to be, at least for the first hour. Um, And then as soon as the, the corpse Elizabeth, when she enters the scene, then it gets really good. I don't think we really laughed until the last half hour when we have Elizabeth. Yeah, it was so bizarre why the first part focused just on Jeffrey, who, I don't know, he was not very charismatic. He wasn't that interesting. No, not at all. It just seemed like maybe Patty Mullins required a lot more money. That's what I was thinking is probably they couldn't afford to have her and they clearly didn't spend a lot of money on special effects yeah but you know i i kind of expect that from a b film Mm -hmm. but i because this i mean i mean look at the tagline a terrifying tale of sluts and bolts like that's great um and i think i was expecting the film to be a little bit funnier (laughs) mind you it's still a bad adaptation and i would say if you have time like put it on the background or just watch the last half hour because it's great yeah you don't miss a lot if you skip through fun toward the end Kind of dull in the beginning. I would say not as funny as MTV Wuthering Heights. That is the gold standard of bad adaptations. I mean, I know I gave the 1931 James Whale film Frankenstein a bad adaptation. And looking back, I'm like, wow, no. I mean, that's a good film. <laughs> it's a classic. This is a bad adaptation, certainly in comparison. Yes, it's interesting to see the cultural elements and how Frankenstein translates. I guess this is something that we're also interested in when we talk about bad adaptations. Although it's bad, it also has some relevance in the fact that 
something written in 1818 by like a 19 year old woman mm-hmm. is still resonating into the 90s and even today to make something as like profane and weird and gratuitous as Frankenhooker. Right. So it says something about Shelley's work itself. I'm not sure you'd want to show this to your students if you're teaching a class on <laughs> literature, um, but it's it's something to think about. I can't think of another work that has like so many crazy derivations. Like, I mean, this film is just bizarre. Like, that's how you know that classic literature has really made it, right? When yeah. you have, like, a Frankenhooker film about it. Yeah, I think that's a good kind of test <laughs> if you want to know that your literature has made it. Like, is there a Frankenhooker version of Jane Austen? I don't think so, but I'd love to see it. But if you know of one, please let us know because we'll review that. it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I'm sure there's some kind of Darcy. Hot Darcy. You know, she wants the D. The D stands for Darcy. <laughs> Right there, Amy. That is fan fiction. <laughs> I wrote you the tagline. Now go off and write me the book. <laughs> so anyways, that was our review for this month. Uh, so another idea that we have is that we're, we're thinking of maybe doing a happy hour because we have switched to doing like pure adaptations. So there are a lot of other films and films that aren't even adaptations that we really want to have space to talk about. So we're thinking of maybe doing a happy hour. If you think that's a good idea, let us know. And if you have any suggestions for that, also let us know. You can find us on iTunes. We are iTunes official. Give us a listen. Certainly subscribe. You get our episodes when they come out. You can leave a review on our iTunes page. We also have a YouTube version and our videos will have captions. So you can, if you prefer YouTube, you can do that as well. And that's the same YouTube channel, Adaptation. You can like and comment and subscribe there as well and be sure to follow us on all of our social media where you can keep up to date with cats on twitter amy's awesome photographs on instagram and facebook and interact with us because we would love to hear your suggestions yeah thanks for listening and we'll see you next time